Thank you for listening to The Actors Room. Please subscribe to the show in iTunes and leave comments and reviews. The show is also on Facebook, Twitter, Google Music, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. The website for the show is theactorsroom.libsyn.com. The site gives you access to all past episodes. Enjoy the show. What I am asking, maestro, is have you run out of things to say? Your I can hardly stay up. And I can't get to sleep. And I don't want to wake tomorrow morning at the bottom of some heap. But why take it so seriously? After all, there's nothing at stake here, only me. I want to be young. I want to be old. I would like to be wise before my time and yet be foolish and rash and bold. I would like the universe to get down on its knees as a guido. Whatever you please, it's okay, but if it's impossible, we'll arrange it. That's all that I want. I was wondering if you think there's a limit to what you can show in a movie. What would you like to see that I haven't already shown you? Daniel Day-Lewis is the star of your new movie, which is great, by the way, Phantom Thread. I Thank thought it was you. a beautiful movie and also weirdly funny. Even in, even, I don't know if that was uh, part of the plan exactly, but there is, like, a lot of humor in, in the film. Uh, yeah, I am mean... I wrong uh, on that? Or? No, you're right. Okay. I mean, I, I think the impression people might get about Daniel is that he's very serious. Yes. Right. I do. He's do not... He's not. I mean, I, I no, he's not. Uh, what is an example? Like, what does he, what, like, for him, because I've heard these stories about him staying in character for, like, months, weeks at a time. M months. Months at yeah. a time. So he does do that. Absolutely he does that, yeah. I see. I mean, you, you go to, you don't go to work with Daniel Day-Lewis. You go to work with whoever his character is. That's who you see when you get to work in the morning, and that's who who leaves at night. So. And that doesn't drive you insane if you have something to talk to him about, like you're making a plan of some kind? Well, you, yeah, no, you don't, you don't make plans. You don't make plans. <laughs> he jokes around? Uh, he'll joke in character. Really? Bit, yeah. <laughs> but I know it sounds bizarre, but it actually, from a director's point of view, it's incredibly helpful. You have your own sort of three-dimensional character living there for you, so you, you just kind of follow him and, and, and film him. The character he plays, uh, his last name is Woodcock. What's his first name? In, 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 Reynolds. Reynolds Woodcock, yeah. When he gets the script and sees Reynolds Woodcock, does he go, oh, come on with this. What are you trying to do? I'm Daniel Day-Lewis. Well, he came up with the name. Oh, so. he did. Oh. oh, so he does have a sense he of humor. He does have a good sense of humor. He's all, I mean, you know, many people, he, he, you should see his Tim Gunn impression. He does a really good Tim He knows Gunn. Tim Gunn? He I knows... know, it sounds right. Well, when he, yeah, you should hear Daniel say designers like Tim Gunn is pretty. I can't even imagine him He's watching television, funny. to be honest with you. He has, I, I, honestly, for the world's greatest actor, like the worst taste in television. What does he watch? Um... He was particularly obsessed a few years ago with Naked and Afraid. Do you know <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I know. He would say, ah, oh, you've got it. You've got to see Naked and Afraid. It's just, he, would, he was, yeah. Wow. Episode, each week, he'd tune in. He also said he's retiring from acting. Was that at the conclusion of shooting this movie? Well, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so is, was that good or bad that at the end of your movie, he decided he's never going to act again? <laughs> Yeah, I suppose it suggests either he had such a good time doing it that he didn't want to bother trying to top the experience. That never even occurred to me, but yeah, uh-huh, yeah. 
Or, or the other thing. <laughs> Did you do anything to try to talk him out of this? Do you think that this is something that he will stick with? It's, I don't know. You don't know? I don't know, but I'm gonna wait a little while before I try and talk him into something Is it else possible yet. this is part of his weird sense of humor? Now that's good, that's good. <laughs> Maybe we figured something out there, yeah. Well, the movie is, is fantastic. All your movies are great. I really, I, you're one of my favorite uh, filmmakers and I'm really excited that you stopped by. The movie is called Phantom Thread. It's in select cities now. If you wanna see Daniel Day-Lewis, he's not that serious. He's really kind of a, well, from what I hear, he's a fun guy. He is. <laughs> it opens everywhere on January 19th. Paul Thomas Anderson, everybody. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Actors Room. My name is Jeff Tarowski, and today we are going to talk about the brilliant actor Daniel Day-Lewis, a long time coming. It's someone that I've wanted to do for months, and I was just pretty much afraid. I'm going to say it right now. I was afraid. Afraid in a good way. He's so amazing, so terrific, intimidating. Maybe that's the word I should have used. Intimidated. Very intimidated to dive into Daniel Day-Lewis. I went into this not knowing anything about his personal life. Because he seems like he's a very quiet guy about his personal life. He doesn't act like a movie star. Love that about him. One of the things I look up to about him. He's not a movie star. He's an actor. He's an artist. Tom Cruise is a movie star. Okay. Keanu Reeves. Uh, maybe. No. No. Keanu Reeves. Eh. He seems like a pretty down to earth guy. I've heard stories about Keanu Reeves. He doesn't live the lifestyle of a Hollywood uh, big shot. Um, I remember when I was in New York City. Uh, Reeves had a band. Like this. This band would play at the, like these these uh, hole in the wall nightclubs in New York City, and I had a chance to see him a few times and decided against it. I don't know if I just had something else going on. Should have gone. I, I mean, you have an opportunity to see uh, Keanu Reeves playing a band. You should probably go do that. But sometimes I'm an idiot, and I decide to do something else, thinking, oh, there'll be other times I'll be able to do that. Damn, I hate it when I would do that. But anyways, it just seemed to me that Keanu Reeves doesn't really fit the profile that I think most people think he does, but he doesn't. And he's going to be an actor I will uh, look forward to doing in the future um, because I think he gets a lot of bad press. Uh, I think he gets picked on because of the way he acts. Uh, he's a little goofy. But it works for him. I mean, look at him. He's a huge star. And I know some people can be like, oh, it's because he's really good looking and all that stuff. Um, mm, okay, right. He's a good looking guy. But there's something else there with Keanu Reeves. And I'm going a little off base talking about Keanu Reeves when I really should be talking about Daniel Day-Lewis. All right, so we are going to talk about Mr. Daniel Day-Lewis. And like I stated, long time coming. I'm nervous about it. I'm excited. It's going to be a really good episode, and he's important to talk about. I would put him top five in actors of all time. Marlon Brando, Lawrence Olivier, Jack Nicholson, Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, Jack Lemmon. These are just monumental talents. The, the work that they did backs it up. 
the diversity that they bring, all of that stuff, okay, is something that a person who appreciates great film, great acting, should study and appreciate actors like Daniel Day-Lewis. And there are many critics out there who will tell you that this guy is not only one of the best, but the best of all time. And while I was doing my research right off the bat, I found out, and I didn't know this, he announced his retirement from acting. I was like, what? I, I was stunned. I didn't hear about this. Is this something new? I'm, I mean, I'm going to admit, I don't read all the current stuff about acting and things like that. I've stated in the past, I watch a lot of older films. I appreciate the, the older actors, um, that sort of thing. So I thought, my God, I am really out of the loop here. Um, and I'm sad. Daniel Day-Lewis has said that uh, his most recent film called Phantom Thread, okay, which I haven't seen yet. And it just came out a few months ago. Looking forward to seeing that because I've seen all of his films. That's the only one I haven't seen. So all the research I did, that's the, the only film of his I haven't seen. And that was because it just came out a little while ago. I hear it's great. And I'm looking forward to seeing that. But he announced that after that film, he's done. Man, I hope that in his mind right now, he's thinking to himself, I'm done, okay. And then maybe two, three years from now, he's going to miss it. He's going to miss it. And in that clip I played in the beginning there, that was Paul Thomas Anderson, the director of Phantom Thread. And he says that he hopes that maybe down the road, he will contact him again with a project. And I bet you, if I were to put money down, I would say he's going to come back. He's going to miss it. Um, he has a history of taking breaks between films. Uh, sometimes, I think his longest break was five years. And uh, l- lately in his career, he has taken time, two, three years off before he does his next movie and then gets nominated for an Oscar. He's selective. And I think he puts so much effort and time and sweat into his character that he needs a few years off because he really does put forth all of himself into the role. And I think maybe, although he has said it's fun doing this, I think that maybe it's taken its toll. And he feels that I'm just going to do something else. He's made enough money. Uh, He's not one of those actors that has to go from project to project to project. Like James Franco, I think, is involved in like 20 projects right now. The guy's insane. I don't know how he does it, but he loves the work. It's him. Uh, Some people just have to work all the time. A project here, a project there. They got to have their hands in everything. Well, Daniel Day-Lewis is a different kind of cat. And we're going to get into talking about his life, his loves, and his acting. 
Lewis is a bit of a mystery. Now, there is no doubt in my mind that he doesn't like the Hollywood scene. He's an artist, a searcher, and an actor. But moreover, he is a human being filled with deep emotion. So deep, and he made a decision to allow us to see that. That deepness. Daniel Day-Lewis rarely gives interviews and has a resume that is short compared to other elite actors. He is regarded as one of the greatest actors of all time with a total of 30 acting credits to his name. 21 of those were films. He was described at times earlier in his career as a heartthrob and he just couldn't understand that. All that goes along with it, the whole bag, the whole deal. He just didn't understand it. And it was things like that. He often regretted becoming an actor. Uh, He loves the craft, but not the hoopla that goes along with it. Rare talent and rare person. Traits that I admire very much. Now, Lewis has stated that he is now officially retired, right? Like I said, and it's really sad. But in a way... I kind of felt it coming because of his passion and how much he puts his whole being into it. Watch him go up to accept his Oscar for his performance as Lincoln at the Academy Awards. But first see the reaction of his wife when you watch it on YouTube. And she's sitting next to him when he wins. And you could tell it means so much to her. And it means so much to him. The hard work he puts into his films is almost unmeasurable. And you can feel that. All of his drive and what he put into that 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 work and the appreciation that he got from his peers does mean a lot to him. I felt I felt that just watching him win that Oscar. You know, I'm not a big fan of the Academy Awards, but moments like that make me appreciate it. And make everything worthwhile to me in acting. Daniel Day-Lewis put together a string of different roles. Such as a tortured soul. A wronged Irishman. A New York gang leader. And an unforgettable oil prospector. And then he would take on the role of President Abraham Lincoln. Lewis becoming an actor was almost a certainty from the very beginning. His grandfather was a legendary film producer. And his name was Sir Michael Balkin. Now, he was a pioneer of British cinema. I guess his grandfather gave Alfred Hitchcock his first job. He was also head of Ealing Studios. Here is a quote about the importance of this studio. Quote, Ealing Studios was the best ever. The jewel in the crown of the British film industry particularly in the war and post-war years. And Michael Balkin was the head of all of that, end of quote. His grandfather and his family were Latvian refugees coming to England by the turn of the century. His grandmother is Polish. Their daughter, Jill, Daniel's mother, was a familiar voice on British radio. She ended up becoming a popular radio actress. Daniel's father, Cecil, will eventually meet Jill after he divorced his first wife after 23 years. So yes, 
Daniel's dad is much, much older than his mom, a 21-year difference. And on April 29, 1957, Daniel Day-Lewis was born in West London. Many say that he looks like his mother. His father, Cecil, was 53 years old at the time of Daniel's birth. With the family growing, Cecil decided to get a bigger house in southeast London. Now this you got to understand. Daniel Day-Lewis grew up pretty damn rich. His dad was um, a a staple in uh, Ivy League schools as far as being not only a teacher there, a professor, but he would give lectures and all sorts of engagements. He would show up and just show up as this top-notch guy giving lectures about all these important subjects and speeches. So he was uh, pretty damn close to high society. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis grew up in this atmosphere. Now, Lewis grew up having a nanny. Seems to me the family was very distinguished. So this is how it went. As an infant and small child, he grew up in a house that had four floors. The nursery was on the third floor, and that is where he would stay, with the nanny, until close to bedtime. Then the nanny would take him to a second floor, where his parents would read him a story. The only other time he would see his parents were on the weekends for dinner. That's really strange. His interactions with his parents were limited, it is said, when he was small. Cecil, Daniel's father, was the director of the publishers Chatto and Windus. If he wasn't at work at his office, Cecil was in his study at home. In this room, the study was forbidden for the children to visit. His father just didn't want to converse with his children very much. I would imagine that his father grew up in the same manner. And I wonder how much this plays into Daniel's art and his acting. All those that knew Daniel would go on to say that he was a, quote, sweet little boy, very fond of long words, even at a young age. As a boy, he was bright, sensitive, and had perfect manners. Although he did play with other children in his own age, He was around many well-educated adults. They were just around these important, well-off businessmen, just elite people would be around the house. So he was exposed to all that, what's the word I'm looking for? Culture, right? Uh, He was around these people, soaking it all up. Uh, And I think that plays a part, and he really does carry himself very well, I think, Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, He grew up in that atmosphere, a well-bred sort of atmosphere, which uh, I find interesting. Now, Daniel Day-Lewis remembers the picturesque winter scenes he woke up to every morning. And as Daniel got older, his father would read to him and take him boating on the lake. Cecil would teach at Oxford from time to time, but would mainly give lectures a few times a year. His father had strong Irish roots and indeed loved his homeland of Ireland. The family would visit often. Daniel loves Ireland as well. Daniel relished in his father's attention. Unfortunately, it was not always happy times in the Lewis home. His father would be unfaithful in the marriage, and this resulted in many fights. Daniel, as a young teenager, was truly sheltered in the 1960s. 
While the outside world was going through radical changes and experiencing the Beatles in Rolling Stones, he wasn't. It wasn't suitable for his ears. His father enrolled him into Sherrington Junior Boys School. He was bullied by the other students because he lived in the big house and had a proper accent. They called him Pashi, and he was encouraged not to bring working class acquaintances home. Wow. That's interesting. They sent him to this school, right? This is a public school. And poor Daniel Day-Lewis is like this, you know, uptight kid uh, with, you know, spoke very well, uh, lived in the big house at the other end of town, uh, had this reputation. But, you know, he wants to fit in, right? But his parents are telling him, don't bring friends home because they're not worthy. Wow. <laughs> mm, mm. All right, we're going to move on here. Uh, now, because of this, uh, Daniel was determined to blend in and become more like his classmates. And that is exactly what he did. This may be the first acting role he took on, if you think about it. He was the normal kid at school, then proper at home. I just want to go ahead and give you a glimpse into the world Daniel Day-Lewis grew up in. Now, it was a daily routine for him to take walks as a boy with his nanny. The nanny would have to get him all dressed up in formal attire. And I'm talking about a coat, gleaming shoes, and pristine white gloves. Everything. And the nanny remembers thinking how awkward it must have been for little Daniel. The other kids he passed by were walking and running around in playing clothes and having fun. And poor Daniel had to strut about in his formal attire. It was in these years that he started to gain an interest in acting. He would put on a soldier uniform and do his fainting guardsman act. And he would study different characters for hours at a time. His parents would eventually find out that young Daniel was playing two different roles in regards to school and home. And they even found out that he changed his accent in school to fit in. This was unacceptable. And he was then placed into a private school. Daniel was miserable there. There was constant bullying, and he would spend hours at a time hiding behind a locked bathroom door. He then struggled with his studies as well, because he suffered from dyslexia. He lost a great deal of self-confidence while attending this school. One positive thing that did happen during this time was he got a small role in a film called Sunday Bloody Sunday, in which he played a child vandal. So for a couple of days, he got to run around, scratch cars with broken bottles, and be paid for it. But the filming didn't last long, and was back to being miserable at school. It took two years until he couldn't take it anymore, and then he ran away. He did not head home, but instead to his sister's school called Badal's. This school was more laid back and was attended by both boys and girls. Daniel wanted to go there so bad. His father and mother were concerned that they could not find him right away, but were very relieved when he was found at the other school, the school that his sister attended. His father listened calmly as Daniel explained his unhappiness, and it was decided that he would attend this other school, and it worked. The plan to run away, 
and say, mom, dad, look at me. I'm a mess. I want to go to this other school, please. My sister goes there. Let me go too. So the parents decided that it would be best for Daniel to switch schools. His experiences at the former school that he was at, this boarding school, made him hard and cold at times. Fellow students remembered to stay out of his way most days. You know, give him room while he walked down the hall, that sort of thing. Now, he never went as far as to bully anyone, but you could tell he was letting it be known to not mess with him. He then learned in time to channel this negative energy into something positive. And by doing this, he joined activities at school, like woodworking and the arts. Exploring the creative side of life was therapy for him, and he could escape. Then his physical traits began to expand, and he grew tall and had thick, dark hair. His acting ability made the girls at school take notice, and he was becoming very popular. Dan's other interests include soccer and cycling. And I guess cycling is a passion for him that he actually still enjoys today. Uh, He would train for bike races with great dedication, but it was acting that grabbed him above all else. And as a boy, he did plays. Nothing to brag about, but you could tell he was doing something special on the stage. His mother would say that he had the keen ability to listen to the other actors on stage, Something rare to see in a child. When you really listen, it makes your responses that much better. Daniel was rebellious at the age of 14, running around with girls and even getting into trouble for shoplifting. Daniel's acting began to take flight at this time as well. The school's director placed him in the leading role in Shakespeare's The Winter's Tale. I guess Daniel's father became ill at this time with pancreatic cancer, and was still able to make the production. His father was so proud of his performance, but it would be the last he would see of his son, for he passed shortly after. And here's a fascinating quote on how Daniel Day-Lewis coped with his father's death. Quote, Daniel would maintain later that he was not at all devastated by his father's passing, that as he sat holding Cecil's right hand, And he finally gave up the fight. He had experienced a bizarre, almost emotionless detachment from what was happening. That, in fact, at the time, he had coped quite unnervingly well with it all. End of quote. I don't know. I think that this kid was in shock, quite honestly. And through research, I discovered he greatly does miss his father. Daniel would feel that he didn't do enough to impress his father while he was alive, which is really interesting because he was 14, I think, when his dad died. And how much are you going to accomplish before the age of 14? And that goes to show this high expectation that ran in the family and maybe of high society is that you better be showing something, even by 14. And I think Daniel Day-Lewis felt he didn't do enough to impress his father before he died. And he was filled with guilt. And that he did not react properly when his father died. And again, he's a kid. 14. You are so far from maturing in many different ways. 
So don't beat yourself down. He did though. This resulted in him taking many pain pills, and it got out of hand. He was prescribed pills to ease migraine headaches, but he was abusing them, and it would eventually lead to him having vivid hallucinations that were very dangerous. He was detaching from reality. People around him saw his change in character and believed that he was deeply and utterly disturbed. This put him in a psychiatric hospital. He was placed in a padded room to weed himself off of the drugs. He was told that he may have caused irreversible damage to himself on the inside and that he may never get out. My God! My God! And what is he, like 14, 15 at this time? A teenager. Being told that he may never leave this hospital and that he did damage the inside of his body. He had to be going out of his mind. Now, of course, this scared the living shit out of him. And he had one thing on his mind. I got to get the fuck out of here. So what he did was, he says that he gave the greatest performance of his life to convince the doctors around him that he was sane and was ready to get back to the real world. So I guess the performance was spot on and they released him. He was back in school and realized just how powerful it felt to pull the wool over the eyes of the doctors because he really wasn't quite cured yet. But he just wanted to get the hell out of there and he would do the rest of the curing on his own. (laughs) Now, it made his passion for acting even stronger and the curiosity of it as well. He did realize that it was a hard profession to break into and to succeed in. Um, But he nonetheless would give it a try. Now, he of course knew there were no shortcuts, even though his mother did have connections. Um, And he was going to have to earn it and work hard. He dove into perfecting his roles in the school plays, and he took risks. As he left high school, he carried with him a lot of baggage. Emotional baggage. He was a loner and kept most people at a distance. As a realistic option for work after high school, he looked into carpentry and applied to be an apprentice. And he also applied to a drama school as well and got in. He was intrigued with becoming an actor because he could hide his true self within the character. This prospect fascinated him. So onto the Bristol Old Vic Drama School he went. His first real test would be to let himself make mistakes. As an actor, you have to be able to let yourself fall and fail. You have to be able to make a fool of yourself. Be vulnerable. This isn't easy. It's not an easy task for anyone, especially for sensitive artists. But you gotta do it. It's a must. Although he found it difficult, he was able to shed his shell piece by piece. He felt he was doing something important. He found that his three years of acting school would be instrumental in making him the actor he would come to be. Lewis would go on to perform in several television shows and movies called Shoestring, Thank You, Artemis 81, BBC Two Playhouse, and Frost of May before he landed a role in the film Gandhi with Ben Kingsley. It's a very small role and it's only for about a minute or two. 
but he is nose to nose with Kingsley, and it's good. In late 1982, he got his first big break in the theater when he took over the lead in a play called Another Country. Then he took on the role of loyal first mate in the film The Bounty with Mel Gibson and Sir Anthony Hopkins. He then joined the Royal Shakespeare Company and performed as Romeo in Romeo and Juliet and as flute in A Midsummer Night's Dream. Then came the film The Beautiful Laundrette. Quote, Daniel Day-Lewis's performance as Johnny in My Beautiful Laundrette was a lovely piece of acting, a triumph, the best performance by an English actor since the war. End of quote. That was by Simon Callow. And that is one hell of a compliment, man. The last part, the best performance by an English actor since the war. <laughs> man. Now that's making a statement. And I've seen this movie. And you can see the beginning progressions of someone that's doing something special. Don't get me wrong. But to make a statement like that, I don't think he's quite there yet. Nice performance. Um, His performance had focus. He stands out on screen among the other actors. It's almost like he's a man among boys. And just like Gary Oldman flexes his acting ability with portraying a homosexual earlier in his career as well, they mirror each other in this way. Very impressive. In 1985 came A Room with the View. This movie showed his range because the uh, previous movie, The Beautiful Laundrette, came out on the very same day, March 7th, 1986. And you can see the distinction between these two characters, and critics were impressed very much, especially Roger Ebert. In A Room with the View, he plays a snobbish, repressed upperclassman. And in The Laundrette, he played a lower-class gay ex-skinhead. Talk about night and day. This did wonders for his career. And he was encouraged to campaign for an Academy Award nomination. And he wanted nothing to do with it. So with these two films, you see two different ends of the spectrum, right? Well, his next film would be right near the middle. The Unbearable Lightness of Being in 1988. He plays a Czech doctor in 1968 that has an active sex life and then falls for the love of his life. The fact that he must be monogamous is a true test. And I like this movie. Just because the acting is top-notch all around, I made it a point to watch all of Lewis's films, and this one surprised me because I didn't think I would like it. I really didn't. I went into it going, "Mm, it just seems so... (laughs) Eh, I watch it, Daniel Day's in it. Eh. But it was actually pretty good. I recommend it. Um, it's called The Unbearable Lightness of Being. 1989, My Left Foot. This role will set in motion a way of acting that Lewis will follow the rest of his career. He indeed became Christy Brown. Listen to this quote I found about his performance. I found this quote to be just spot on. Acting is difficult at the best of times when you're playing a fully functioning human being. 
What Day-Lewis achieves, therefore, is even more admirable. It is an extremely effective and realistic portrayal of someone suffering from cerebral palsy, and the actor goes gung-ho with both the physicality expressiveness required for the role. It is a joy to watch. And that's the end of the quote. He will display his trademark trend of being his character throughout the entire shoot. Even his agent had visited the set and wanted to have a real conversation with Daniel Day-Lewis. What he got was Christy Brown. And he begged for him to come out of character so they could talk some business. No dice. The agent left angrily. He plays a man that has cerebral palsy. It's a disease that traps you physically with limitations in all movements in your body, but your mind is as sharp as a tack. Lewis was able to capture the limitations and in the same respect still gives a top-rate acting performance. It is very easy for an actor to take a role like this and fall flat on their face. It's that difficult. Here is a notable tidbit. It took Lewis one take to film the opening scene. And he proudly accepted his victory at the Oscars for Best Actor in My Left Foot. So well deserved. My Left Foot put him on the map globally, but his next film put him in our minds to stay. Last of the Mohicans is an epic film. He plays... um. A white man, okay, that was pretty much adopted by Native Americans. And he became sort of a, you know, like a warrior type of figure during the French and Indian Wars. And just like he always does, he prepared the usual way. He lived off the land in the wilderness for several months before the shoot. And this film took a lot out of him, not only mentally, but physically as well. Um, It was this film that made me realize... Just how much he really does care about his craft. The effort he places into each and every role. And maybe an answer why he takes such long breaks in between films. That might be the answer or part of the answer to that question. The guy just wears himself out. Um, And he would go on to say that he had quit smoking a ways back before this film started to shoot. And this movie made him go back to it. It was that stressful. And when the shoot wrapped, Lewis was absolutely exhausted and was treated for claustrophobia and mild hallucinations. The guy was seeing shit. He got so into the character and just worked himself into a frenzy, he started seeing shit. Okay, that's how deep he goes. That is absolutely crazy. The Age of Innocence is a severely underrated film by Martin Scorsese. It's a timepiece taking place in 1870s New York City. Just well done. And one of the best films by Marty. I really do believe that. I even give high marks to Inona Ryder for her performance. Uh, Maybe her best performance as an actress. Scorsese will go on to say that this was his most violent film. And guess what? It was rated PG. Uh, You're asking yourself, um, that doesn't make any sense. But in a way it does. He points out that the violence lays within the emotional level. Lewis plays a young man torn between two women. And you can see him using emotion 
under the surface. He plays and acts from both sides of his mouth and does a fantastic job doing it. You have truth that is deep down inside that you are trying to hide but can't. And his character tries to convince himself that his lies are real. And sometimes he does convince himself and it's very deep. And next up, in the name of the Father. You ruined that medal for me. I took it to the pawn. And they laughed at me. They wouldn't even give me 50 pence for it. This is shock. And that's when I started to rob. The proof that I was no good. Delayed shock. Delayed shock. Never mind delayed shock. I feel like this since I was seven. I remember mommy said to me, don't upset yourself. He's not well. I got Holy Communion. I thought I was eating you alive. I mean, is it my fault you weren't well? Why did you have to be sick on your life, Giuseppe? Huh? Did you have to be sick on your life for? When that mad bastard of death threatened to shoot you, I was happy. I swear to God, honest to God, I was happy. I was delighted. You know why? Because finally it was all over. It was over. You see? Yeah, uh, there's some decent acting going on in that scene, right? Not not too shabby. <laughs> oh man, oh boy. Um, it's a good movie to uh, just take in. Uh, I seen it for the first time probably about ten years ago. I really didn't become a big Daniel D. Lewis fan until I saw this one. I of course knew about him. Uh, My left foot was just. A really high, critically acclaimed film. And I watched that in New York City when I was studying acting. One of the films they told us to watch. So I did, you know, see that way long time ago. Uh, But it wasn't until I saw this one. And actually, I think my brother mentioned it to me. Because we were talking about Daniel Day. He came up and he said, ever seen The Name of the Father? I, I said, no, I haven't seen that one yet. So I think we rented it. Because I don't think any of us owned it. Although my brother does own a lot of films. I don't think he owned this one. So I think we rented it or something. And when we got done watching this. I was like Jesus. Man. That guy's really good. You got you got to see that. With this performance. And the film is called. In the name of the father. And for my opinion. He isn't even hitting his high notes just yet. He was just on his way To become the greatest actor of his generation. Bit by bit. This guy is perfecting his method. His craft. His delivery. His feel for the character. Concentration. His his heart. And his magic. He lost 30 pounds for the role. And would sleep in a jail cell. On the cold hard floor. 
and have people throw cold water on him. This fucking guy. Amazing. Okay. The Crucible 1996. This is incredible. Listen to this. Daniel Day-Lewis didn't shower or bathe during the entire shoot of this movie. All right? (laughs) Man. Didn't shower or bathe the entire shoot. Dear God. Now, I couldn't find out how long it took to shoot this movie. But I would have to guess that a project like this would take about anywhere from, I don't know, two to four months, right? I mean, at least two months. Two, at least two months of not bathing. I go, honestly, I will miss a day here and there. I'm not going to lie to you. There are certain days I either just don't have the time, which is no excuse. You can find time to stick yourself underneath a shower head for even just a minute, just to wash off. I couldn't imagine going more than two days. Like when you go camping, and I'm not a big camping guy. That's just not me. Um, And you can shower in a place you think is kind of dirty and walk out of a shower still not feeling that clean. That's how I feel sometimes when I go camping and I take a shower in one of those bathrooms they have in the campgrounds. I just doesn't seem like anyway. Uh, And that's the longest I'd go, man. You know, you on a weekend camping trip. So is it a couple of days or you miss a day here and there? The next day, you just can't wait to hop into the shower or, or take a bath just to wash the day off of you. Two months or more of no bathing is absolutely incredible to me. He must have stunk. There's a stink that just happens to you when you don't bathe. It's a natural, like your body releases. I don't know what it releases, but it releases a stench. And living in New York City for two, three years, three years, um, New York is known for their homeless population. And there's a lot of begging on the street. And you walk by and there will be people just, you know, standing there. They're homeless. They're sitting down. Uh, When I went to acting school, there was this guy. He was a Vietnam veteran. His name was Red. And he used to hang around the neighborhood playhouse. And we talked to him. We'd give him some food. It would be great conversation. But that poor guy, he was homeless. He stunk. It's just when you don't bathe, you stink. So I can only imagine... What Daniel Day-Lewis smelled like on set if he didn't bathe for two, three months, four months. That's how dedicated he is to a character, to a movie, to get it right for him. Uh, This is what he does to give the greatest performance that he can give at that time. And I will play for you a clip later on in this episode where he discusses this aspect of his acting and how it makes sense. And you will further understand it from his own words later on. I mean, take a look at him in this movie. Incredible. It even looks like his teeth are going to fall out. I must have good and legal proof that you have confessed to witchcraft, Proctor. You are the high court. Your word is good enough. (laughs) Tell them Proctor broke to his knees and wept like a woman. 
My, my name I cannot sign. Why? Do you mean to deny this confession when you are free? I mean to deny nothing. Then explain to me why you will because not... Because it is my name! Because I cannot have another in my life! Because I lie and sign myself to lies! Because I am not worth the dust on the feet of them you have hanged. I have given you my soul. Leave me my name! That is one emotional scene. Here's a man who had rather die than give up his name. He wasn't nominated for Best Actor, and that is unbelievable. He also built the house he lived in as John Proctor. Let me say that again, just so it makes sense to me. He built the house that is used in the film. Simply amazing. And here's another example of how dedicated he was to this role. He ended up meeting his wife, Rebecca Miller, during filming. Who's Rebecca Miller, you ask? Daughter of author and screenwriter Arthur Miller. Once again, amazing. Before we go any further in this episode, I want to play a small interview he gave about acting. I found his words to be quite enlightening. This man knows what the hell is going on. He just understands it. Listen to Daniel Day-Lewis talk about acting. Which isn't work. I never probably did a day's work in my life. I, you know, I play. That's what I do. You know, when I go to work, I go, I go to play. I play a game, and that's what it is. And I see it as a game, and I think most of the people I work with see it as a game even if it sometimes drives you half round the twist playing it. But, um, you know, that game involves, say, you know, the power of self-delusion. I mean, like, I I, I suppose at the centre of it, I have to try and kid myself that that I'm living a life that isn't mine. Because if I can't do that, there's no hope I'm going to kid anybody else. The the question then is that, I mean, what's the price you pay for that? I mean, how long does it inhabit you afterwards? Well, I don't think it's... I think it's almost the other way around. It's almost that you just... You know, you unleash a curiosity for something, a whole way of life, and I generally... I mean, the thing that I've been least interested about myself, I suppose, in my life is the fact that I'm a middle-class Englishman. So I've tended to be fascinated by lives that appear mysterious to me and exotic in some way and I've always been drawn towards those um and um but you make it sound as if as if it's a it's a it's a it's a job again without without joy that the James but that's the problem you see it's the problem is that whenever you talk about it you know you let people talk on your behalf that doesn't work but you try and demystify it and that doesn't work either because there is no way of describing it you shouldn't even have to try and describe it i mean it's irrelevant in a way because nothing nothing that you can say is going to make that piece of work better or worse than it is but, but i mean what about that famous remark of olivier to 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 dustin hoffman you know why well, you try acting well i, mean, I love that remark because it to me it says the opposite of what it seems to say. To me, it says that maybe Olivier in that moment revealed that he understood less about working in films than Dustin Hoffman did. 
I know that's a sacrilegious no, thing to all, say. No, not at all. But, I mean, um, and often was 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 by far the more, more experienced film actor. But of course, that's that's true. It, and quite honestly, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, I sort of was going to get round to say that, but in this job I do, I put on somebody else's clothes. I try and convince myself I'm I, I'm living a life that isn't mine. I live in a house that doesn't belong to me. I have thoughts and feelings that aren't mine for a period of maybe six months. I've worked with a group of complete strangers who all believe passionately in this thing that may turn out to be a piece of crap. We don't know. And at the end of, at the end of it all, what preparation, even if I did cartwheels with a bunch of daffodils stuck up my jacksie, <laughs> like, what could be more bizarre than the thing itself? I mean, any preparation, I don't care what anybody else does. As long as they're doing what they need to do to get, if, you know, if Olivier needed to believe that it's yeah, all sure, just sure. keep the thing at bay and... So be it. It worked well for him. I love how he explained his interpretation of when Lawrence Olivier told Dustin Hoffman on the set of Marathon Man to tell him to just try acting because Dustin Hoffman was um, just not sleeping at nights to get into character, that sort of thing. So he show up on set just looking like shit. And Olivier, after a nice uh, sleep would go up to Dustin Hoffman, who looked like a bum, and say, why don't you just try acting? It's much easier, and you can get some sleep. And Daniel Day-Lewis saw it as Olivier didn't understand what Dustin Hoffman was doing, and in a way, he's right. Uh, And then he goes on further to explain that it doesn't really matter how you get from A to B in your acting. A is where you start, and B is the finished product, and you feel pretty good about it. Or you do a decent job. Whatever it took for, for you to get from A to B, it doesn't matter. If Olivier, if Olivier all he needed was um, so a little bit of research and using his imagination, great. And he was believable. Worked for him. If Dustin Hoffman had to stay up all night to get the character just right the next day on set, A to B works great. If Daniel Day-Lewis has to not bathe For three months. To stink. To make him give a great performance. A to B. They end up at B. That's all that matters. And I love that he sees that. And he can explain that to us. In a way that it makes sense. And it does make sense to me. And I wanted to play that clip. Because it's going to set up. The last four films. That I want to discuss with him. Because I truly believe. That some of the best acting you will ever see came from two of them. I first want to touch on the boxer. He trained for three years before shooting began. And the man that helped train Lewis for those three years stated that he was so dedicated to the training that there is no doubt he could have entered the ring and competed against anyone in his weight class. In the film, you get to see him training with the rope. And it's so impressive. You could tell that he trained with great intensity. What a star. Daniel took a five-year break from acting to give us the performance that knocked me on my ass. I couldn't believe what I was seeing from him. I mean, I knew this guy was elite. Don't get me wrong. But he took his acting to another level. He went Marlon Brando on me. He must have been marinating for those five years in some sort of like super acting jacuzzi or something. 
Daniel Day Lewis became the butcher in Gangs of New York. And I will say this as well. This may very well be the most flawless acting ever done on film. His feet firmly planted on the ground and his character portrays strength, determination, humor, and loyalty. You know how I stayed alive this long, all these years? Fear. The spectacle of fearsome acts. Somebody steals from me, I cut off his hands. He offends me, I cut off his tongue. He rises against me. I cut off his head, stick it on a pike. Raise it high up so all in the streets can see. That's what preserves the order of things. Fear. Not one tonight. Who was he? Nobody. Coward. What an ignominious end that would have been. I killed the last honorable man 15 years ago since then. You've seen his porch from downstairs? Mm-hmm. Is your mouth all glued up with honey juice? I asked you a question. I said I seen it, sir. raging you and I like it. Oh, it's life boiling up inside of you. It's good. I guess Leonardo DiCaprio broke his nose during a fight scene. And Lewis was so sick and tired of the greasy hair he had to do for the character that the first thing he did when shooting wrapped was shave his entire head. Scorsese and DiCaprio convinced Lewis to join them for dinner one night after shooting. Lewis agreed. Now mind you, He was doing his usual staying in character 24-7 method. Well, he stayed in character at the restaurant as well. Their waitress was afraid to go near him. And because he stayed in character throughout the shoot, Lewis would get into fights in the parking lot. So I thought for sure that this acting by Lewis could not be topped by his next performance. I was wrong. Quite simply, Daniel Day-Lewis is wonderful and perfect. And there will be blood. That is my opinion, mind you. This comes from me and me alone. It's the best acting I have ever seen. Better than Marlon Brando in Streetcar. And that's saying something. Marlon Brando in Streetcar revolutionized acting. um, Made it what it is today as far as being so natural. That's my opinion as well. And that performance was amazing. Historic. Revolutionary. But Daniel Day-Lewis in There Will Be Blood does something on another level for me. I just can't deny. And I think it's the best acting I have ever seen. And of course, Daniel Day won Best Actor for this role. I find this movie to be centered around his character's greed for money, respect, and love. The money he gets, yes. Respect, maybe. But love... No, it was almost there, and he could have taken it if he wanted to. The love story is between him and his son, 
Although it wasn't his son by blood, he truly cared for him and loved him. He struggles with his handicap. He was no longer able to understand him, communicate with him. It is so touching, so beautiful. And I give tremendous credit to director Paul Thomas Anderson as well. Just brilliant work. Just to take a moment, I want to talk about the scene in the film where the oil rig erupts and the young boy he loves loses his hearing. Daniel Day is concerned for the boy and lays with him on the table. The boy loses his hearing. He can't hear. He is just a little boy that lost his own family and has now lost his hearing. Lewis lays with him, holds him. It is so heart-wrenching and you could tell he loves this boy and he wants his pain to go away. He feels directly responsible for what has happened and will never forgive himself. And he battles with his beliefs of the world and religion as well. And I wanted to mention that scene and to me, that scene, okay, um, I watch a lot of films, and when I, when I see something in a film that touches me, it, would, it may touch me different from other people, of course, because we all feel something different when we watch something. I get it. Um, in this film, the main character, Daniel Day-Lewis, is, um, he's, he's a very powerful man, uh, driven man uh, his ideals may not be the ideals of a normal person but they are his ideals and he has a certain way of doing things um, and he comes across this boy in the film and his family was killed and he's responsible for this little boy and he accepts that responsibility in the very beginning and he was getting close with the child and of course the child is around his work which is mining for oil and there was an accident, and the boy was hurt. And Daniel DeLuce's character wants to comfort him. Uh, he lost his hearing. The little boy was so close to an explosion that it permanently damaged his eardrums, and he's deaf. Um, and this little boy is filled with oil, just drenched in oil. Um, and Daniel DeLuce's character is lying with him on a table, and he's holding him. And you could tell, you know, I'm a father, you know, and a son. And a connection between the father and son or even the mom too, it doesn't matter. But seeing that interaction where a parent or guardian, okay, they're responsible for another life, especially a younger one, it, it hurts me seeing my kids sick. Even just, you know, little colds even. Just little things. Or even when they get really sick. I feel so helpless. Uh, hopeless. I wish that I could take their pain away from them and put it into me. And if I could do that, I would. Uh, and in that situation, I, I got it. I got this, this, this guy uh, holding him. And, and wanting to take away whatever pain he was feeling, confusion, whatever it was, he wanted it to be gone. Or even more than that, he was comforting him, holding him, being there with him so that no matter 
what is happening or what will happen that I'm here. And with the heartbreak of this movie is that throughout the film, he drifts away from the boy because they become separated because of his handicap. And Lewis's character just can't relate to him. He wants so badly to that he just, he can't, he just can't see it, get past it. And, uh, you know, there are teachers out there that try to tell him, listen, just learn sign language. He wouldn't even learn the sign language. He just didn't want to even try. It's heartbreaking. It's sad. Uh, That, for me, is what made the movie work. What made it so beautiful, great, and Lewis's performance is so perfect. He got it. He saw this guy. And he understood him. And with all the research he does and how long it takes him between films, like I'm sure he decides to do a movie and then he just he just spends a year or two thinking like him, acting like him, doing whatever he has to do to become him. And he does. Like he becomes these people. It's so amaz- amazing to me that he could do this. And he does it so well. I mean, look at he's only done a handful of movies and he's like nominated almost every time he does a movie. It's so rare. It's some of the rarest um, accomplishments as an artist I've ever seen. It's so, it's almost to me more important than Marlon Brando in a way. Although that's crazy to me, it just might be. So I wanted to go ahead and express my, my deep. Uh, interpretation of not only There Will Be Blood, but the acting ability of Daniel Day-Lewis. 2012, Lincoln. Lewis is brilliant at slipping into another character. We all know this. That is an easy statement and uh, can now be backed up with certainty because he was Abraham Lincoln. Has any other actor gave better performances in three films like Lewis has in Gangs of New York, There Will Be Blood, and Lincoln? I think not. I can't listen to this anymore. I can't accomplish a goddamn thing of any human meaning or worth until we cure ourselves of slavery and end this pestilential war. Whether any of you or anyone else knows it, I know I need this. This amendment is that cure. We're stepped out upon the world stage now. Now! With the fate of human dignity in our hands. Blood's been spilled to afford us this moment. Now! 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 And you grousel and heckle and dodge about like pettifogging Tammany Hall hucksters. See what is before you. See the here and now. That's the hardest thing. The only thing that accounts. Abolishing slavery by constitutional provision settles the fate for all coming time. Not only of the millions now in bondage, but of unborn Millions to come. He nails it. I'm not sure 
if there are recordings of the real Abraham Lincoln um, where you can hear his voice. Uh, I have heard one on YouTube that uh, says it's a recording of his Gettysburg Address. And I found this on YouTube. Uh, and they say it's on a, it's recorded from a dictaphone. A dictaphone. I've kind of heard of that, but I don't know if this is true. If that's really his voice. Uh, look it up on YouTube. I'm not sure. Let me know. Um, it sounds real. It does. Uh, and if it's Daniel Day uh, nailing that voice, he did pretty well. Uh, it did a good job. Um, I wasn't a big fan of this film, honestly. Uh, I watched it when it first came out. Thought it was pretty slow moving. I it didn't grab my attention as far as the movie overall. Uh, Daniel Day's performance is just—I mean, Abraham Lincoln, right? Uh, wow, and he did really nice. Maybe I'll just give it another try um, in the future. Sit down, really concentrate on the movie. Uh, there are some films that I do give a second try to, and I'm pleasantly surprised. Not often, but it does happen. I will do the same with this movie. But Daniel Day-Lewis goes on to win his third Academy Award for his portrayal of Abraham Lincoln. Daniel Day-Lewis. Thank you for listening to this edition of The Actors Room, highlighting this actor that has decided to quit. Boy, man, that's that's heartbreaking. Um, his reason, he, I don't think he's come out and said it. He's just retiring. Uh, like any like a job, okay. He's decided to hang up his uh, acting cleats, so to speak, and go do something else for a while. Maybe he'll make one of those, maybe in like 5-10 years, he'll realize that uh, maybe it's time to come back and show him again what I can do. God, and I hope that some director just puts a script on his desk and says, you can't pass this up, Dan. And he looks at it, says, I'll think about it. At least think about it, Dan. Because... You do so wonderful work. You inspire so many people out there with your acting and your work and your ability to become other people is so incredible for us that admire movies. So thank you once again to listening to The Actors Room. This is episode number 25. My name is Jeff Tarowski, and I hope you had a great day. This was just wonderful to do, getting back on track. Last week, you know, did the Unabomber. That was an interesting show. Uh, I have no problem with doing something like that um, because you mix it up a little bit. I, I get a little, you know, tired of doing the same thing over and over. Why not do something that might be interesting to somebody else, thinking, yeah, why not? We'll try it. But getting back on track, I thought, Daniel Day-Lewis is a great way to get right back on track. So that's what I did. Uh, once again, I want to go ahead and let you know that I did put a donate button on my website just to show that you're supporting the show. I put a lot of work into every week. Like I said before, it's like doing a book report every week. But it's doing a book report on interesting people you know, or people that I find interesting. So it's really not that it's a lot of work. It's just a lot of time put into it. And my time's valuable. 
And this means something to me. So if you feel I'm doing a good job and you want to support it even more, go ahead, donate a dollar. I don't care. 50 cents, even if you're able to do 50 cents, uh, you know, just to show that, you know, hey, keep going. And uh, hopefully within the future, very short future, um, I will be encouraged to keep going and doing the actor's room. Like I stated before, my numbers were going very well last week. Not so much this week. So it goes to show that the Unabomber was a bad idea. I thought it was a really good show. Uh, but uh, I got some advice from somebody in uh, the podcast world recently. And he pretty much said, uh, stick to your script. So, <laughs> And I hate when people tell me what to do. It was advice. I get it. Um, but I don't know. If I feel something grabbing me, I, I go with my instincts. That's just what I do. Um, great advice. We'll see what I do with that advice. But for now, I'm going to go with my gut from week to week. And my gut told me Daniel Day this week. Last week, it told me the Unabomber because I was watching a television show and that's acting related. So I think that as long as I keep it within a relation, I think it's okay, right? (laughs) Hey, it's my show, right? If it goes down in flames, guess who's going down with it? Me. Okay. Uh, For me, it's a Friday night, and it's about, oh, 7.30. And I am looking forward to going out of my little room here and relaxing. I'm going to put in a movie. I'm I'm trying to think of a movie I haven't watched in a while uh, and putting that in tonight. And I hope you put in something that you haven't seen in a while, maybe. Think of that movie where you're like, man, you know, I haven't seen, uh, I don't know, just think of a movie here. I'm going to say, what, Gangs of New York, okay? Say you haven't watched Gangs of New York in like two years. Put it in. You're thinking to yourself, I I haven't seen that one in so long. I've been wanting to see it. Well, freaking put it in tonight, right? You sit back, relax. It's a Friday night for me. I'm going to be pouring myself one or two drinks tonight. Loosen up. I might uh, make some popcorn with lots of butter on it. The kids love it. You put a bunch of butter on the popcorn, and they're your best friend. Dad made popcorn with lots of butter on it. So that's what I'm going to do tonight. Put in that movie, have a drink, and go ahead and make some popcorn. God bless you. Have a good one.